When people in our society think about success in life, one of the main things they think about, of course, is money. But then, of course, there's, you know, career and fame. There's uh, stuff. Got lots of stuff. You know, that's, that's especially the, uh, what we're trying to get in this life is stuff. And, of course, even then, uh, happiness is also something uh, that some are looking for. But Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, said that success in life has to do with relationships. Once when he was asked what was the greatest truth in the Bible, he responded by giving us what uh, we call the great commandments. Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. These truths tell us that our purpose on earth is relational. According to Jesus, we're successful in life when we love God and when we love others. Now that is really not a measurement that our world highlights. I mean, they might highlight, you know, having fairly decent relationships. I mean, I'm aware of one person who uh, shared that, uh, you know, husbands are like a patch. You know, when it wears out, you just sew on another one. I mean, our society puts forth uh, quite an interesting spin on relationships. But Jesus says that's how we win. That's what it looks like to win when we are in loving, connected relationship with God and loving, connected relationship with others. At other times, we have focused on how we're to love God. Lately, we have been discussing how we're to love one another. There's no question our society is having a hard time with this. We long for genuine, connected relationships, but too often we find ourselves hurting and alone. For the past couple of weeks, to help us with this, we've talked about this idea of a life script. Uh, One of the challenges we face to loving others is people's negative behaviors. I mean, flat out, you know, not all of us are perfect. Not all of us are complete yet. And so whether it be in our home with our spouses, whether it be with our kids or our parents or our friends or people at work, um, Pretty much on a daily basis, we bump into people with negative behaviors. And it's a little tough to love others when they're yelling at you or, you know, twisting the emotional knife in your heart or, you know, those kinds of things. So in our society, most of the time we attempt to modify people's negative behaviors through behavioral modification. Sound familiar? Nice psychological term. Listen to this. Doesn't this sound like what happens in many homes? Johnny, stop being such a pest. Susie, stop whining. In both of those settings, there's somebody, the parent, is simply addressing that outward behavior. That's the norm. Police officers at work, it doesn't matter. Primarily, we address negative behaviors and attempt and think that somehow that's going to change the person and the outcome. But usually Johnny continues to be a pest and Susie continues to whine. 
Maybe not immediately, but, you know, 30 seconds later. But what we have been talking about is that negative behavior is simply a symptom of other deeper things. And we have advocated that negative emotions is one of those things that is underneath negative behaviors. But underneath negative emotions is often a result of faulty thinking. It's not the only thing that generates negative emotions, but it is one of the major ones. And one of the major reasons for faulty thinking is often a result of unmet needs. So what I want to do, this I, I just really feel this is important. I've highlighted it now three weeks in a row um, on the front end of where we're going. And, and this time I'm going to use myself as an example. And I want to share with you what happened to me in one of the uh, incidences this week that I had where I was expressing uh, negative behavior and uh, just kind of fill you in on a little bit of how I'm dealing with it. So I want to give you an example from my life. This week I I spent a lot of time uh, working on my wife's laptop on one of the days trying to fix a problem it's having with the printer software. And my computer is doing the same thing, and that's what was challenging us at the beginning of the service today. So I'm a little frustrated with computers, and uh, I won't name the name brand, although I'd love to slime them. But anyway, that would be a negative behavior, so we won't do that. So after about five hours of online chat with a technician and a couple more hours of uninstalling and reinstalling and attempting to clean up the software, it still wasn't working. It's still not working. I was frustrated. I was angry at the computer angry at the printer, and, of course, very angry with the printer manufacturer. And uh, while I was attempting to appropriately control my emotions, I was still, uh, as you can imagine, demonstrating some not-so-nice behavior around my family. I mean, even me. It happens. And not very often, once every three or four years, but it does happen. So I just you know, want to share it with you this one time. You may not ever see it. Um, but, My frustration and my anger towards the computer and printer and manufacturer was not the greatest pain that I was experiencing. That was not primarily what was driving. There were some other negative emotions and other negative uh, elements of what was happening. And I want to share that with you. Be vulnerable and real with you. So you can know me. I think that's legitimate. And we're going to touch on the fact that we need to know one another. But also so that you can see how this life script thing works out in somebody else. Because what we're talking about, what we're trying to address is how to love somebody. So I'm going I'm to get real nitty-gritty and detailed here and kind of share with you, okay, I'm expressing this negative behavior. What, what does it look like potentially to still love somebody like me who's in that place? Also, I'm going to work this out with you so that perhaps you also can begin to identify this process in your own life. Does that make sense? Because that's not what we want to happen. What we want to have happen is a positive expression of life that Jesus talks about when he said, the enemy lies, steals, kills, and destroys. That's faulty thinking down there. Martha, you can go ahead and do one more click. We should be able to get the positive side. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it super abundantly. That's the top half. But way too often, we're living down here. And so I want us to try and grasp this. So the negative behavior I was expressing towards my family was anger, 
uh, shortness, agitation in my voice. Uh, I was being defensive, and I was withdrawing from communication as they uh, attempted to engage me and attempt to minister uh, to my needs. The negative emotions that I was experiencing were anger, frustration, but listen to this, hurt, and self-condemnation. Now, you might ask, hurt and self-condemnation, where in the world did those come from? Well, those were coming from my bigger challenges, which has to do with faulty thinking. That's primarily where we get hung up. And here was my faulty thinking. Here was the first one. Clara really needs to have her computer to print to do the work that she needs to do every day because I have not been able to fix it. She's going to be upset. So I'm hurt because I really tried, but I couldn't fix it. Now, this is all in my head, and that's where faulty thinking is. It's in our head. Clara may not be thinking that or feeling at all, but that's the pressure I'm feeling. That's, what I'm, that's the story I'm making up in my head. I didn't fix it, so she's going to be mad. Okay, but now listen, to, listen how it gets worse. Because I couldn't help her by fixing her machine, I'm not really worth very much. In fact, I'm really a bad person. So I am self-condemned. And again you say, where in the world did you come up with that, Randy? Well, at some level I'm not really sure, though that's what was in my head. But I think it comes out of uh, somewhat of a performance orientation that says something like this. My worth is based on my ability to give appropriate care to others. Can you imagine me having... Uh, that belief. I'm a pastor, right? I'm, you know, I've been a Christian most of my life. My worth is based on my ability to give appropriate care to others. Or another way you might say that is my worth is based on my performance. Now, I'm confident none of you wrestle with that one. You probably never even heard of that or thought about it. But what was happening is that in my mind, because I was not giving appropriate care or performing well, then I had these negative emotions that produced the negative behaviors. But I want to go to the next deeper level of needs and see what might be there. So to do that, I want to introduce to you the top ten relational needs. There's a lot of relational needs, but researchers have shown a few to be kind of like the top ten. Attention, affection, security, comfort, appreciation, encouragement, acceptance, respect, approval, support. Those are the top ten. We're going to be talking about those over the next weeks to come. And they are, you know, not the only ones. But all of us have these needs at some level or another. So, if I'm concluding that my worth is based on my performance or that my worth is based on my ability to give appropriate care to others, just in your own thought, what might be some needs that are connected with that? Appreciation. Acceptance, approval, respect, 
security, comfort, because it wasn't working. It could be any of these. You know, I've got this thing going in my head that says my worth is based on my ability to give appropriate care to others. But the real issue here is is that until those around me know what will really hit the mark and know what one is particularly being expressed in my life, they're going to miss. The first attempt that my loving, godly, wonderful family attempted to make was to comfort. And I push them away. Because when I'm angry, comfort's not what I need. I don't know about you. So, what happens is that underlying all of this are circumstances, but predominantly these issues are what's happening in my head. Does that make sense? Claire, do you want to make any comments here? You, you really had something last night when we were talking about this, at this spot. Okay. The key here is, in order to love others well, that's what Jesus said. You are my disciples when you obey my commands, and my command is that you love others. Okay, that's the commandment of Christ. That's what we're to do. If we're going to do that well, we're going to have to know one another. We're going to have to be in relationships where there's sufficient vulnerability and sharing and trust to where we can get real with each other. Claire and I sat down yesterday afternoon. We had not had a chance really to talk through that event that occurred this week. Actually, there was a second one as well that was um, very similar to this. Stuff happening inside of my head. I'm responding to her with negative behavior. And it it is very uh, helpful to go through the process of trying to diagnose, you know, back to the script. I don't have it as a next slide, but back to that script to begin to identify, okay, if we've got negative behaviors, whether they're yours and you're dealing with your stuff like I am at this place, or whether you're looking to deal and help and love others better, we've got to get down to these lower understandings to be able to do this. And so, That is one of the reasons why we're going to talk about these and we're going to talk about them in regard to the fact that how can we do this in other people's lives. So I want to just kind of introduce uh, the relational need of attention this week. What time is it? Somebody, I did not bring a watch again. Almost five. Cool. All right. Let's pray before I I head into that. Father, we just thank you that uh, you know us and that you love us. And you still love us even though you know us. (laughs) Sometimes that's a little hard for us. But I just thank you um, that you have led the way, that you've demonstrated to us what love looks like. Love looks like laying down our life for another, considering others more important than ourselves. And Lord, we can only do that with you and your help, only with your Holy Spirit living in us. Because Lord, without you, we're just mean, ugly people. And so I welcome you. Help us, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to love like Jesus loved. Father, for our guests that are here, I I just welcome you to be near at hand. And that you would just draw them to yourself. 
Lord, help me as I speak. Help us to grasp these truths of understanding of these actions relative to how to love. In Jesus' name. Okay. As human beings, we as have lots of needs. Um, the need for air, food, water, sleep, chocolate. The need for kindness, you know, love, respect, teaching, training, understanding, on and on and can go. And as I've mentioned today, I want to touch on our need for attention. Gals, hang with me for a minute. Do you remember in elementary school, the little boy who was always trying to get your attention? He called you names. He put gum on your seat and he shot spit wads wads at you after class, during class. Right? He was trying to get your attention. Guys, do you remember the little girls who giggled and pointed their finger at you? Now, some of you experienced those activities and thought, nobody likes me. They're laughing at me. Everybody's picking on me. And you went and sat alone on the field. Others of you, probably the more outgoing ones, said, wow, maybe somebody likes me. And you just joined right in. You went over and hung out with them. From the moment that we are conceived until the moment we die, we need attention. The fertilized egg attaches to the woman's uterus and it's connected, nourished, and fed. The infant is cradled in the arms and sung to. The child turns to see if anybody was watching when they fell down. The teen longs to be liked and noticed by their friends. The young co-ed winks at the star quarterback when she passes him on campus. The young salesman hopes the boss notices his high sales that month. The mother of three, under three, dreams of a conversation with a real adult. The older widow wishes her children would think of to call her once in a while, and the elderly man dying of emphysema wishes someone would sit by him and hold his hand. Our need for attention, like all our needs, is universal and continual. We never get to a place where our need is met, where we don't need attention anymore. And it is true, children seem to have a highlighted early on need for that. Do we have a video clip? We're going to try. Oh, God help us. Technology is not working well. It's challenging moving in and out every week. Uh, there's, there's an issue with that. But, hey, we'll see how it goes. game of the season, Santa series. I gotta be there, I promise. So, we'll make it a short meeting. I'll be there, my word is my bond. Okay. Father, he's missing it. Oh, he's got over here. Oh, gosh. Are you 
Jerry. Jerry. I said that. Why you take the video camera, go to the game ahead of me, film what I miss. Can I say something? Mr. Bannon, this is the speech for your grandmother's tribute. On cards? Oh, yes, sir. Number those. Who wrote it? Ned Miller. I love his annual report. Read it back to me. Lord Whitehall, honored guest, for the past 70 years, the Granny Wendy we honor tonight has given hope and care and life to hundreds of homeless children and orphans. Great, very personal. Where is Daddy? Banning. Ah, <laughs> well, gotta fly. Don't worry, more people crashing cars than on the plane. Which is a lot better flying across the street. Don't look down. It's your time to go. It's your time to go. And remember, don't, don't let, let your arms get tired. And what if it's the pilot's time to go? Oh. We all need attention. Sometimes it doesn't come. Sometimes the need is missed in our lives. I want to look at a story from the life of Jesus uh, that I think helps us understand people's need for attention. John chapter 4, there's a story of Jesus talking with a woman from Samaria. I've touched on this in other ways at other times, but here in this application I think it's still helpful. I'm not going to take the time to read the whole story. I just want to highlight a couple of uh, verses, beginning firstly with uh, verse 3, John chapter 4 through 9. Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Some facts that you need to know or understand. Women in Jesus' day were uh, considered second-class citizens. They were considered lower than men, almost as low as a slave. And men did not intermingle with women as they do today. 
Secondly, the Samaritan people were considered by the Jews to be a despised people. They were sort of a half race that had mingled with uh, other nationalities a long time before this, and there's just this tremendous animosity between those two people groups, and they would have nothing to do with uh, them. They would not speak to them. They would not relate to them uh, in any way. So here comes Jesus, a man and a Jew. He sits down near a well in Samaria, and a woman walks up to draw water. And Jesus looks up at her and asks for a drink. She is floored. She is absolutely amazed. What in the world is this Jew, this man, doing talking to me? And as we, those of us who might know the story, would recognize that Jesus then goes into a dialogue with her with the intent to draw out and satisfy her spiritual neediness. And then at one point he says to her in verse 16, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said, You're right in saying that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Wow, (laughs) I see that you're a prophet. I mean, how could Jesus know that information? Well, through spiritual gifting from the Holy Spirit, Jesus discerns and exposes this woman's lifelong pursuit of attention. All her life, She has sought attention in one form or another, relationship after relationship, marriage after marriage, trying to desperately fill this void and this need for attention in her life. And one day, one encounter with Jesus, he exposes her need and he satisfies her true and deep longing for attention and for spiritual relationship with the living God. So let's look at a few principles from this that can help us uh, learn what might be some of the hindrances we might experience. Firstly, prejudice and cultural norms often, often hinder our ability to meet other people's needs. Again, I don't know where you guys are at on this, but you know when I pass the guys on the corners who are looking for money, there are cultural uh, understandings, there's judgments, Uh, There's things happening inside of my head related to them. Actually, I was standing out here last uh, week in the evening, and a gentleman came by with a small boy. I was standing out there with uh, a man from our church, and uh, the man asked for, do you have a couple bucks for uh, a bus ride? And um, I really struggle with that. I, I do not have that worked out in my life, but the man that was with me from our church, reached out and got his wallet and handed the man a $20 bill. He doesn't have a problem with the issue. I do, but he doesn't. The man looked at it like, you mean it? And he goes, yeah. And he just, the guy walked away amazed that somebody would be so caring. Uh, I think in some slight way, that man was touched by the love of God through that act, that above and beyond That wasn't just somebody. But we all wrestle with judgments. We all wrestle with cultural norms. You know, dealing with a boss. You know, how do you relate to them? You know, dealing with a teacher. Uh, All kinds of issues that can hinder us from meeting. You're on the bus. One of my daughters takes the bus most of the days during the week. Connection with people. 
she had uh, there was a gentleman sitting in front of her one time who had uh, like cerebral palsy, something. He was in a wheelchair, and he was attempting to get something out of his backpack behind him, and and she's wrestling with, you know, do I help him or not? <laughs> that whole thing. She did end up helping him, and showed some kindness to him. So I think we we need to recognize that we have hindrances. We have faulty thinking that is hindering our ability uh, to extend need to others. Also, people try many, many unhelpful ways to meet their needs for attention. I think we are well aware, and we've seen that in many kinds of settings and situations. Thirdly, giving attention can be very simple. Giving attention to someone, ministering this need to others, can be really simple. It doesn't have to cost very much. People are touched by small acts of kindness. Small acts of kindness go a long way with most people most of the time. And then fifthly, God's power is available to help us to meet other people's needs. We need to be thoughtful and aware. We're not doing this alone. We are partnering with God in loving others. He loves everybody. Everybody that walks in front of you, ever, ever again, God loves. No matter what their behavior is, God loves them. And he is probably interested in loving them through you. And so we've got to figure this thing out because I don't know about you, but I don't do a very good job of loving everybody that walks in front of me. But God loves them, and God is willing and able to partner with us in this process. Okay, while all of us have the need for attention, some people's need is more acute. It's greater than others. Often this is uh, related to somehow maybe what they experienced, how they experienced that need being met or not met uh, growing up years. If it was met well, during their childhood years, if somebody received a lot of attention during their growing up years, then as adults, that might be a heightened need. They might continue to need a lot of that. If, if this was missing in their childhood years, again, in their adult years, it might be heightened. So it isn't necessarily an issue of was it met or wasn't it met, because in either of those cases. But for some of us, this particular need is heightened, as would be some of the others for others. So as we go through these weeks looking at these top ten relational needs as tools to helping us love others better, my hope is that you'll be able to share this training with others, especially those that are in close relationship with you, so that you will be able to learn which of the needs they have that are more heightened so that you can love them better so that you can hit the target. So as a part of this process, I've given you a homework sheet. In your uh, programs, you're going to find two of these white handouts. Uh, there's one there that has fill in the blanks, but there's also one that uh, talks about uh, being uh, a homework sheet, and there's two different assessments. The first assessment on the left has to do with how well are you meeting others' needs for this. So this is a really good one. This is the, the primary target of, of this information. We're talking about how to love others better. So you, you want to score this, and then down at the bottom there's kind of a list. And if you don't score very high, you need to work on it. Maybe one of these that you need to learn about. Maybe it's the fact that you didn't ever get this need met well, and you don't know how to give it. 
That's a, that's a significant issue that many of us face. The second half or the back half of your sheet will be an assessment for you relative to how heightened is this particular need for you. Now, these questions are not rocket science. I mean, they've been put together by others who have worked with this material for a lot of years. So I'm sharing them with you. And I believe that they can be help to you. They're just kind of pointers. They're tools to help you begin to think it through. Now, just to help you a bit, if on this backside, as you uh, do the personal assessment, if you find that your particular need, uh, this week being attention, let's say, is very, very high, I, I want you to uh, consider three things that will help you. First, you need to agree that you are needy and that being needy is okay. Some of us are going to score very high on some of these. Not all of them, but on some of them. When you do, you're not weird. It just happens to be the one that's heightened in your life. So you need to agree that you're needy and that it's okay. Secondly, you need to share the results of your survey with significant friends or family members. And that's going to require trust, vulnerability, both of which are good relational skills to cultivate. Relational fitness, that's what we're talking about. We need to get better at sharing our needs with others. God is the only mind reader, and even he welcomes you to learn to share with him your needs in prayer, right? So we need to share with those that are closest to us, and specifically the, the real catch here as you speak to somebody asking them or they're asking you the question if you've identified let's say attention as being your highest what does that look like what would it look like rick for me to extend care to you by meeting your need for attention that that's the that's really the question then you write down what they say because you're not going to remember it because what it is for them is not what it is for you does that make sense we, you, I mean, I have my wife's in my Palm Pilot, and I review them occasionally. You'd think, come on, Randy, there's only top three. But you know what? Most of the time, I'm pretty caught up in myself. I may be the only one that's like that, but that's me. I have to focus if I'm going to love my wife well. Does that make sense? Now, after the number of years that we've been working on this, I, I, heard, I know what her top two are. I can, I can actually remember those. So then I have to respect... And support are her top two. Anyway, okay, that's the second thing you need to do. The third thing you need to do is community group. <laughs> you need to seek to cultivate healthy relationships that will be a part of meeting your relational needs. And community groups are a great place for that. And you can't just attend once a month. Because as we're going to hear, the whole point of this is that you need to know others. I mean, my group has been meeting for a long time, a um, couple different ways. It was one group, it multiplied, and it's back together. And, but there are some connected relationships there. And as a result of the time that we have spent together, we're being just now beginning to be able to care for one another well. It takes time to know one another. But again, it's very help, helpful and healthy 
uh, to develop and cultivate relationships. Juan, you may not have caught this, but Juan mentioned that within his growth group, excuse me, yeah, within his community group, he has a growth group. He meets alone with the men. Donna does the same with uh, the women. There have been times and seasons where I have done that with the men from my community groups, not currently doing that because of challenges that we have. But one of the things we're going to find as we attempt to minister care and look at this idea of attention is sometimes in large groups it's not that easy to to really care for one another well and effectively and narrowly. And sometimes it requires a smaller place. And I have always found the growth groups, two or three guys meeting once a week, meeting twice a month. Uh, to be a, a, a great way to do that. You can go play golf even as long as, I mean, it, you know, play basketball together. Um, go shopping together, gals. I, I mean, but sending time is important. You just cannot do this stuff without knowing one another. you got to spend time. All right. So um, that's kind of just a side note. What do you need to do if you happen to score high? I want to spend the rest of our time talking about uh, how do we better meet other people's needs for attention. And I would say this as a first thing right out of the box. Though we're needy, one of the best ways of having our needs met is by meeting the needs of others. You know, it's amazing. If you have a need for attention and you start giving attention to other people, guess what you get? You get attention because you're interrelating. But if we wait over here in our little corner for somebody to give us attention, not going to get much attention. It's amazing what that trick will do. Affection. Oops, this chair's over here. Affection. You can sit in your little corner all your life and never have it experience any touch or care. Or you can do what I do. Every person I see, I touch them, I pat them on the back, I kiss little girls on the heads, I have five daughters. It's what I do. I give affection because I need it. And it's amazing how many people get helped by that. It's amazing how many people have affection as one of their highest needs especially singles. Amazing how that is, huh? They're now adults. They don't have their parents, you know, hugging and kissing them and tucking them in the bed anymore. They're going home alone to an apartment or a house. Maybe there's a roommate, but usually roommates don't get along real well, and so you're going your separate ways. And there's this huge void for attention, affection, you name it, all of these things. Listen to this from the message translation. I love this. Matthew 7:12. You're familiar with this passage, but from the normal King Jamesy kind of approach. Listen to this. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. That's the golden rule. That's what we think of. Do unto others what you would want them to do to you is how we normally think of that. But I like this. Ask yourself what you would like people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Now, a challenge with that, of course, is that what my needs are are different than what Jim's are. But we all have all of these needs. So, you know, you're going to hit the target at some level. I mean, as I said, you know, I touch 10 people here on the shoulder, you know, patting them or giving hugs, whatever, and half of them probably are going to be helped and benefited. The other other half are pulling away. (laughs) Randy, would you please stop that? I don't like that. I, I attempted to give a hug to a, a newer guest uh, last week, and, and that's what they did. And I went, oh, okay. So. <clears throat> All right. Sorry. Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 out of the New Living. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble. 
Thinking of others is better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too. This is that whole concept of taking initiative, of extending care to others, and it's amazing what will come back to you. Have you ever heard someone say, you're too busy, you never spend any time with me, you're never home, are you listening to what I'm saying? I need some quality time with you. If you ever hear those, those are the cries of someone who is needing a higher level of attention from you. But what can you do? So what are some ways that we can better meet people's needs for attention? I would highly encourage you to get out your little piece of paper with the notes and fill in the blanks. Because you're not going to remember these. And they're very helpful. And if you would post these on your mirror at home and read them every morning, you might do a better job at extending some attention. And the goal of our time here is not for you to have more information. The goal here is for you to love others better. That's my job as a pastor, so that you to equip you to do works of ministry and care for others. So I'm doing the best I can. You need to pony up. All right. What are ways that we can better meet people's need for attention? Spend time. Money's nice, too, but time really is better. Okay, you've got two opportunities. You can go uh, hang out at the park together, or you can go to a movie. Which will better care for somebody whose need is attention? The park. Why? They're in the movie. We don't have very many of those around. Okay, you're talking. Attention. We spent, there's a lot of activities that we do that miss the mark. And if we know that that person's his attention, then that's not a good activity. Now, you might need quality activities, let's say. And so that can be okay because your need's being met. But you might want to maybe start it out with dinner so that there's time to talk or make sure there's time after the movie, one or the other. Okay, spend time with people. There's no substitute for spending time. Time is a valuable commodity. We watched in the clip. The dad was not there. He's not spending the time. And, of course, that whole movie's that's what that whole movie is about. First time I watched it, man, I just cried through the whole thing. I was with a group of guys from my small group. When I'm just crying like a baby. It was crazy. All right. Secondly, spend individual time with people. Individual time. I mentioned that, yes, small groups can be good. 8, 10, 12, 16, you're getting really kind of pretty high. You have to break into smaller clusters. So often in our community groups, we do that at the end. If there's prayer time, there's a sharing with a smaller cluster. Um, listen to this. Charles Adams, the son of President John Adams, wrote in his diary one day, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. The boy, however, had a different perspective on the day. In his diary for that day, it reads, Went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. Priorities, perspectives, knowing one another. Very, very important. All right. Thirdly, enter into people's world. That uh, video clip is about the boy wanting the dad to enter his world. Does that make sense? People need us to enter. I mean, again, you know, to take, invite people to go to our events is not as need meeting for them, 
might meet our needs, but it isn't for them. We need to go where people are, enter into what they're doing. Okay. Um, one of the things that this evidences is a sacrifice. You're, you're laying down your time, your energy, your place, and you're going into them. You're laying down your comfort zone, your priorities, and you're looking to make a difference in somebody else's life. Enter into their world. Very, very important. Number four, remember important facts and dates. Have you ever gotten a card or a note on your birthday or anniversary and thought, why'd they do that? I didn't even know they knew my birthday. We use uh, these days, a lot of us, you know, email cards. But, you know, a card coming in the mail that was bought at a Hallmark store and it, it's got these really neat words that are really appropriate for me is huge. That just hits the mark for those who have this. And we all have this need. Some need it higher than others. And I'm not saying send me all cards from Hallmark. <laughs> I'm using it as an illustration for any of us. The email cards are okay, but they're pretty easy. You still got to do it, so it shows some level of care. But going to a store, buying a card, putting a stamp on it, writing something nice in it, handwritten, you know, it's amazing what that can do. Facts and dates. When people share important things that are happening in their life, ask them later on how it went or how it's going. Again, knowing one another, remembering. You know, we pray with one another, uh, whether it be here at a service or on the phone or whether it be in your community group. Do you call them later that week to check how did it go? Next week at community group, do you ask, how did that meeting go? Right, Martha? We know one another, and as a result of that, we can extend care that ministers. Fifthly, pray for people. When you legitimately pray for people in their situations and troubles and you say, I've been praying for you, how, it's, how is it going? They feel a tremendous amount of care. Attention is being met. But when we simply say on the front end, I'll pray for you, and we don't, or we never ask again, how did it go? Because we didn't remember to pray. We're missing the mark. So be careful when you say to people, I'll pray for you. What a, a really good trick here in the vineyard we've learned is, let me pray for you right now. So if you're on the phone with somebody and they're sharing something with you, you simply say, let me pray for you right now. And you do that. Or you meet in a hallway or at work or wherever. In fact, it's, it's amazing with, um, uh, with non-churchgoers, you know, this tendency is, uh, can I pray for you? Yeah, sure, that'll be fine. And they start to walk away. Because, you know, pray for the the closest thing they have is, yeah, you, you know, you're going to go, you know, do your little bead thing or whatever. But we, no, 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 I want to pray for you now. Is that is that okay? I don't know, it's kind of weird. But I guess so. And then they start crying while you're praying for them because the Holy Spirit comes. It's cool. It's really cool. I like that. All right. And here's just a last one that we're going to do here. It's, it's not 
you know, again, there's a zillion things that you could do. The best way to know what to do is to ask somebody, what would it look like for me to extend care to you in the area of attention? And get them to give you three life examples. They may say, send me a card every once in a while. They may say, give me a call, send me a text message. But they may not. They might say, take me out to dinner. Spend three hours with me. And you need to be willing to do that. Okay, the sixth one is listen to people. There is a challenge that many of us have, especially those of us who have a high need for attention. And that is that we tend to dominate conversations. And I say we because I'm one of them that does that. And we need to learn to dial down our need for attention and to give and extend care by truly listening to other people. Listening for their feelings, their goals, their plans, what's really happening in their lives. We need to learn to give people our full attention, not be thinking about what we're going to say next or what we need to do next. We need to really listen if we're going to extend attention and care. One man once wrote, Our number two son joined me one afternoon in my office at home. Five-year-old Mike brought some toys to play with while I worked. He parked cars and trucks on a nearby chair, and we talked. Well, mostly he talked. I was enjoying the simple pleasure of being with him. As I busied myself at the desk, Mike said, Daddy? I said, "Uh Uh-huh. Daddy? I'm listening, son, while I'm working here. No, Daddy, he persisted. Listen to me with your face. Eye contact. Actually facing somebody. How many times are we sitting at our computer? At home or work? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, it used to be the man sitting at the breakfast table with the newspaper. But now it's our faces and noses stuck in the computer screens. Try to talk where and when there won't be interruptions. Give space to relationships. Again, we're trying to figure out how to love others better. Concentrate on the conversation and what they're saying. Listen to people with the intention to really know them. We can only really love and care for people well when we know them well. Now, again, these are not exhaustive. They're just practical tips and helps. All right, I just fast. I'm going to finish out with this. God meets our need for attention. Do you know that? Jesus left his home in heaven and he entered our world to meet our need for attention. Jesus came to be like us in order to personally relate to us and we to him. Jesus spent personal time with individuals, not just the crowds. God has welcomed us and provided prayer as a way for us to have individual time with him. How many of us take advantage of that? The God of heaven is sitting waiting for you to meet with him. It's a great skit we've done in the past of man sitting in a coffee shop waiting week after week after week. And the waitress asking, you know, I've got this person's coming. I, I know they're coming today. 
And at the end of the skit, that person's God. And the person he's waiting for has not shown up week after week after week. God has provided prayer. He welcomes us into relationship. God's provided the Bible that we might get to know him better. We have a lot of faulty thinking about God. And the word of God has been given to us to help straighten out our faulty thinking and to know him well. Jesus said this is eternal life that you know the Father. And it's not know about. I don't need to know about my wife. That does not help her a whole lot. Gee, I just learned that um, you know Claire's computer's not working well. I need to know her. How is she feeling about the computer? And not having faulty thinking, thinking that she doesn't like me because I'm bad because I couldn't fix it. I need to know and ask how she's really feeling. God knows us. Psalms 139.13, God knew us before we were born. Psalm 139.2, God knows our thoughts. Luke 12.7, God knows the number of hairs on our head. And with me, it's an everyday chore, I'm sure, for him. Oop, there goes 50 more. Psalms 139.16, God knows the length of our life. And then two incredible passages. Jesus promises to be with us always. Matthew 28, 20, you can be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then John 14, 2 and 3, my father's house has lots of space. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. God is committed to ministering and caring for our needs for attention. And he is longing and welcoming and calling us to do the same for others. To love others well by knowing them well. All of us have these relational needs. The need for attention. Some of us have been hindered from having our needs met. Some of us are hindered now as a result of hurts or pains from the past. And these hurts, these pains can fill our emotional cup like we've spoken of uh, for the last few weeks. And there isn't space for us to receive the good things that God and others have for us. And so I just want to welcome you to join me in a prayer For God to empty some of the places, some of the hurts, some of the times that we have not received the care, the attention that we needed. Because it's hindering us from being able to love well. So if you would, if you just close your eyes, just quietly where you are, I'm just going to invite you to pray a prayer like this. God, I have experienced pain and hurt in the past. There were times when my relational needs were not met. There were times when my need for attention was not met. And I have responded 
wrongly. I've become harsh and angry. I've withdrawn and separated myself from others. Today, in Jesus' name, I choose to forgive those who I have perceived to have hurt me. In most cases, they probably didn't have a clue. And neither did I. And Jesus, would you forgive me for my anger and harshness? Would you help me to receive your love and attention? Would you help me to receive the love and attention from others again? And might I become one who loves well? In Jesus' name. Father, I do ask that you would enable us to become people who are more like you. That we can begin to see the people who are in our lives every day at the market, in our home, in our neighborhood, and begin to grasp the fact that you love every single person we ever meet and that you want to love them through us. What a difference our world would be. But Father, we've got a lot of faulty thinking. We've got a lot of baggage that hinders us. And so we just welcome you to clean out, to pour out the stuff from us, even as we've prayed, that we might be freed and helped to fulfill the great commandment of Christ to love others. That those who don't yet know you would be so startled by our love that they would be drawn to you. Wow. I've never known somebody this loving. Wow. What is different about you? You're not like anybody I've ever met. Oh, God, that we would be like that. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to fill us with yourself. Fill us with all the goodness of God. And, Father, I welcome. I welcome you to help us as we love those, especially near ones. They get so much of the spray from our negative behavior and our faulty thinking and our negative emotions. They get so slapped around. Lord, just grace us to love well and to welcome them to love us. Lord, we need others. It is not good to be alone. And Lord, even in our community groups, even in our homes, there's times when we're lonely. There's times when we're not being cared for. Might we take those times as initiatives to love? 
to lay down my need and to consider others more important. To look into the eyes of another, to identify a need and to meet it. Oh God, help us. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have some of our ministry team folks coming up. Anybody who would like to uh, be equipped to minister, you are welcome to come and hang out up here. Any of you who are in a place where you would like to give to another, to love another, you can come do that. Uh, One of my daughters uh, highlighted to me this week that in this series that we've had more people that have felt comfortable to come forward than we've been having and I want you to know this is a safe place. These are pretty cool people. Everybody here. And they are trained, equipped, enabled by the Holy Spirit to extend love and care to you. And to pray with you. There is power in prayer. My life has been changed by people praying for me. And I would welcome you. Some of you are struggling with knowing how to love others better. You're not so worried about your own self. You're, you're really just recognizing that my behavior sucks. <laughs> and I'm not doing a good job of loving others. I'd invite you to come and get some prayer. Some of you are struggling with hurts inside. Your cup is full. Negative emotions. And you need to come every week and see that cup emptied. Remember we talked, I showed that picture. Any of you here, that fountain, you know, I poured that pitcher full and it would not clear up. It's got to get emptied out. It gets emptied out in prayer and ministry. So come on up. These folks are here. They would love an opportunity to pray with you, to talk with you, to see God's kingdom come in your life. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. And remember, in two weeks, we start those new equipping classes. And we'd love to have you at 2.30 in the afternoon. Have a great week.